When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey everybody, let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean, huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. (sighs) The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Welcome everyone to the main event podcast. I am your co-host Troy, and with me as always, he is the Billy Gun to my road dog. Oh, you didn't know? It's Greg. What's up, Greg? What up? Man, I have been looking forward to this show for a while. We've had it on the slate, and I didn't remember the full thing. I just remembered that it was good, and I was right. This this was a great show, top to bottom, I think. I might say this was probably the best show of the Attitude Era. Oh, If yeah. not WrestleMania 14, definitely this. One of the two. There was definitely up there. Oh, what about WrestleMania 15, Greg? Come on. That classic. So all the listeners, don't worry. I'm going to, when I see him one day again, I'm going to smack the hell out of him for that one. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. Tory versus Sable. God, that was... God, anyway, moving on. Wow, um, wow. Of all the <laughs> matches. I tried to pick the worst one. and Oh, congrats. You nailed it. I mean, Hell yeah. What was that? Negative two stars or something? Uh, the fact that he hated it as much as he did, I kind of want to watch it now. Just be like, yes. I think to piss that yeah. jerk off. Whoa, whoa. Language. A jerk off. Anyway. Uh, wow. That's what <laughs> the flag's for. Okay. Yes. 
Well, we we're talking about the Attitude Era, by the way. We should get away with some words, we were saying. Oh, yeah. We got Val Venus on this show. We got some Sable to talk about. This this show, man, it was it was honestly better than I remember. Because this was the first SummerSlam of my fandom. I didn't watch it. But I will say right now, I remembered part of it live. Only because you and I have talked about this before. I know you, you know what I'm talking about. For all of you at home. Back in the day with pay-per-view, you could change to the channel that the pay-per-view was on. And if you kind of messed with the knobs on the TV, yes, easy step knobs. But if you kind of mess with them a little bit and turn them in a certain way, you could hear it. Like, I got perfect audio for this, and I got, like, half-ass visuals for it. So I was able to watch a little bit of SummerSlam 1998 when it was on live. Did you watch Did you watch this one live? I did, because I knew a guy who, uh, let's just say, was able to unscramble that. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, hey, yeah, you know, I, I, I knew a guy who knew a guy, you know, whatever. Uh, all I'm saying is, you know, don't talk about it, you know? It never happened. You're part Italian, right? Oh, yeah. Cool, those are out. Yeah, I can I can say that. And uh, we can do the uh, Mexican stereotypes on my half, too, so there we go. Cool. Yeah, there you go. Hey, hey we're, we're covering a lot of ground here, and we're also <laughs> very white. So but this show, uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely get into it. But not every match on the show was great. But there wasn't one match on uh, the show. Well, okay. I might, there... I might go so far as to say hardly any of them were great except for two. But I don't think that's what's selling this pay-per-view. No. I mean, there were a few storylines that really sold this pay-per-view. A few matches that really sold this pay-per-view. And yeah, not to get ahead, that... but the oddities one, man. I was hooked. All right. All right. Um, All right. That's the only one. That's the only one I'm going to do this this show. <laughs> I re- I'm I'm going back to Road Wild, uh, 1999. Man, uh, yeah. Uh, turned on SummerSlam 1998. The ICP were out there for the second match. I turned off SummerSlam 1998. <laughs> okay, Craig, if I'm wrong, real quick, I believe they were at New Blood Rising. Yeah, I believe so. So, so that means like like back in the day around this time period, like, oh, it's August. We got a pay per view. Call it the ICP. Was that a thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get into them a little bit later when we talk about the match at hand. Don't, yeah, they're not actually wrestling on this card, which, I don't know, with that match, that might have made it better if they wrestled, but not by much. Lord, what's know. that saying? Yeah, I know. It's it's that bad. But, but yeah, so, I mean, there, there was some great, it was in Madison Square Garden. It was when Stone Cold was red freaking hot. The Rock was on an upward project trajectory, DX was as hot as they had ever been. I mean, this was great. If And I will say, if you want some companion pieces to this leading up to it, we don't cover everything. We're not going to cover everything today. But go listen to uh, King of the Ring 1998 that took place just a couple months before this. And then... Now in the archives. Listen, yes. And the bonus show that is on YouTube, yes, and directing traffic to our YouTube channel, search for Main Event Marks, you will find we did a bonus show for July that was the Monday Night Raw from July 6th, 1998. It was when The Nation did, a, or I'm sorry, DX did a parody of The Nation of Domination, and uh, The Undertaker cosplayed as Kane, which earned him this match. Which I got that figure, by the way. <laughs> I hate you for that. But yeah, so there was, there was a lot of stuff that went on on that ride. Well, I don't want to oversell it. There wasn't a lot of stuff that went on on that Raw, but there was there was a good amount of stuff that went on on that Raw that's memorable. 
and some funny stuff as well involving Kai and Tai and Val Venus. We'll talk about it here. I, I gotta say, that's like, if you think about like all the segments he's mentioned, that's mm-hmm. some, like serious history right there. Like, good or bad, whatever. It's like, a lot of those things are like very memorable. And that was one show. You know, yes. one show. That's crazy. And the particular main reason why we covered that show uh, is for a bonus show is because it went head-to-head with Monday Night Nitro and the Georgia Dome, the night that Goldberg won his first WCW title. Could we actually could we actually have an argument here? That was probably one of the greatest Monday nights in history. Oh, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so it won't be an argument. Okay, no, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's an argument at all. That's a, that's the uh, whole reason why we covered it. And I think it was a taped show, the the Raw show. That I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it was, but I, I can't remember. But it was it was a huge night. I mean, Holly, Hollywood Hogan dropping the title to Goldberg in the. So we're talking down. six days before uh, Bash of the Beach, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, Bash of the Beach, which we'll talk about here, uh, kind of wrapping up what happened, you know, previously in events. Don't worry. So, next uh, summer, we're going to do that show. So just let everyone know. Yay. Yeah. We'll return after these messages. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Now, back to our program. Well, I guess it's time to dive into some history like we were talking about. Let's get into all the news and notes from the time. WWF's fully loaded pay-per-view was the one that was... Wasn't that right between King of the Ring and this? Yes. Okay. I believe that's where Undertaker and Austin won the tag titles. Oh, yeah. And they they only held it for like a heartbeat, didn't they? I think so, yeah. yeah, Because on this show, it's Mankind and Kane. Our yeah. tag chance. Well, technically, mankind pulled a Daniel Bryan, and he was the tag team champions. <laughs> yeah. But we'll get to that. But the fully loaded pay per view is in the books, according and according to Uncle Dave, it was a show. Uh, nothing much to say about it. Some good, some bad. Vader job to Mark Henry in a bad match, and Uncle Dave said that it's clearly time for Vader to move on. But at this point in his career, there may not be anywhere that he can really do any better. Also, at the pay per View, there was a bikini contest between Sable and Jacqueline. First, it featured Jacqueline's nipple slipping out, which was supposed to seem like an accident, but Dave is pretty sure that it was intentional. Then, bro, it's gonna slip out, bro. Uh, I'm not. Even, I'm, I'm not gonna say the Bruce Pritchard line. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let it go. I think you know what I'm talking about. I right do. There. I was waiting for you to say, but okay, I, I respect no. not saying it. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave it alone. Uh, <laughs> but then Sable came out with body paint on her nipples and was completely topless otherwise. Dave said that if you thought it was tasteless, you're right. And that's like taking kids to an R-rated movie and complaining afterwards. Wow. Well, it, I mean, I don't disagree with that part. I mean, during this era, you kind of know what you're in for. Yeah, I just... Was that really shocking? Nah. When was the, the one... Was it Insurrection or one, one Night Only? or one, I don't know. There was one of them England-only pay-per-views where they literally ripped off Jacqueline's top and just yeah. had him flopping around. It was Insurrection. Yeah, okay. 
wasn't she on the referee's shoulders or something? Yeah, she was on somebody's shoulders, yeah. Yeah. And Bruce, well. Bruce Pritchard full-on admitted, he was like, well, they were more lenient about that stuff over in the UK. We asked her if she wanted to do it. She said yes. So they full-on just went, yeah, nudity. Let's do it. <sighs> the WWF you just can't is show the bloke. God. The WWF is getting into real estate. WWF was part of a group that were the top bidders for the Denny Reynolds Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. There's still a lot of legal hoops to jump through, but if it all goes through, they plan to turn it into a WWF-themed hotel and casino. Do you remember Bruce Pritchard talking about that? I do. Also, I want to point out this is not their first venture into real estate, because I believe they gave away a house. (sighs) So let's not forget that. That was a funny story, because Pritchard said that uh, Vince had the idea they were going to give away a house and literally told Gerald Briscoe, find me a house. And he yeah. went out, and he went out that day. Was like, "Well, I found a house." He's like, "Well, pay him in cash," and that was the end of it. <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think about. I'm like, I, I don't know the buy rates off the top of my head, how much it costs, but they probably spent more on that house than they made on that show. I just, I'm guessing. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm sure they did. Uh, uh, <laughs> the lost leader. <laughs> but yeah, this ended up not going through. They it, darn. It oh, that would have went perfect with WWF New York. Oh man, yeah that was great. <laughs> they, could, they, they could have had some Vegas-themed pay-per-views, like, one, you know, every couple of months. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, you know, compete with Halloween Havoc. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because that's what we're all shooting for. Spin the wheel, make a deal. You pick that Halloween Havoc to make a freaking uh, example of, wow. Well, you brought up there. I, I was talking about the Vegas thing. <laughs> all right, here we go, man. What were we, What were we just talking about? If you go to listen to our bonus show from July 6, 1998, we talk about this was just a couple weeks away from Val Venus having a storyline where he slept with um, Yamaguchi-san's wife and... Takamichinoku's sister, yes. Yes. And in retaliation, they kid, Kaintai kidnaps Val Venus, ties him up, and tries to choppy-choppy pee-pee with a samurai sword. But the lights go out, and you don't get to see what happens. Well, the next week he shows up on Raw. <laughs> Just thinking about it, man. Like, why? <laughs> because, oh, bro, chop off his wiener, bro. Is he be castrated? He's going to have no penis forever. No, bro. It's, it's money, bro. Well, you know what else is money? He brought out Val Venus the next week on Raw, sitting in a wheelchair with ice on his junk. And he had John Wayne Bobbitt with him. Because why not? For those of you who don't know who John Wayne Bobbitt is, he's famous for cheating on his wife, and while he slept, his wife took gardening shears and chopped off his weena, bro, and then he had it surgically replaced and enlarged, and he got into porn. Oh my god. That sounds like the worst Hollywood movie ever. (laughs) Well, it happened. Now playing on the same channel as Sharknado. God, yeah. Well, it happened. John Wayne Bobbitt came out there, and... Wow, story. what are you so... Sorry, we're going to skip that. Good lord. After John Wayne Bobbitt appeared on Raw's Ward, they discussed the idea of bringing him back with the idea that he would remarry his ex-wife Lorena live on Raw or a pay-per-view, which would surely <laughs> turn into a huge media circus and would probably do a monster TV rating, but oh talks seem to have died on that for whatever reason. There's no plans to bring it back. According to Bruce Pritchard, 
I'm going to use the pun of all puns here. They didn't bring him back because he was dumb and he was a dick. <laughs> wow. So, um, there you go. Yeah, I never heard that part. Because he That's, said... That's, uh... Wow. He said he was quite possibly the dumbest, most vacant person he ever met in his entire life. And okay, hold on, life. hold on, man. Let's be fair. You know, if you're a guy and that happens to you, I mean, come on. <laughs> you turn stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Think about it, man. If that happens to you, aren't you going to, like, lose all sense of reality? <laughs> I mean, look, I have no reason to defend the guy. I'm just saying there's probably a reason for it. I'm just saying. I don't know. Again, not defending him. Know. I'm just, like, trying to find a reason. I, I, I really don't know, man. <laughs> Here's something for uh, a future date. Shane McMahon was recently named president of New Media for the WWF, which basically means he's overseeing the WWF website. And it says here in the Observer, Vince's 22-year-old daughter Stephanie is on a or is in a management training program and will start officially working backstage for the WWF soon. Wow, well, well, that's going to work. <laughs> well, that's not going to go anywhere. Speaking of not going anywhere and you know just disappearing off the face of the earth, 1996 Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle will be at a WWF training camp this month. Wow. Yep. So there you go. There's there's history for you. He wouldn't pop back up for like another year plus, but you know, there you go. Kama is now going by the name of the Godfather and doing a pimp gimmick and came to the ring with three. Uh, let's call them ladies of the night. Yeah. Um, I think that's as sensitive as I can say it. Don't worry. He eventually goes legit and they become escorts, so that's fine. Oh well, then you know. <laughs> David Heath debuted this month doing some sort of vampire gimmick. <laughs> he is Gangrel. Dave in the newsletter said he's doing some sort of vampire gimmick, and I think his name is something like Gangrel. Terry Taylor must have had a misprint. It's okay. Whoa, hey, the X-Nay on the Ed Rooster Ray. Wow! <laughs> Before we go, I just gotta just, I have to say it. Man, how awesome was that theme song with Gangrel's? One of the greatest that yeah. Jim Johnson ever created. I just, yeah, I felt the need to throw that in there because holy crap. I even like the the rap remake. The I don't remember Warriors. that one. Yeah. Oh, uh, was it was it on aggression? Yes. Okay, I remember being on that. I can't, I can't hear it in my head right now. But yeah, it was. I think it was just called Vampire Warrior or whatever. Anyway, they yelled it a lot in, in the song because that was that was his name before he became Gang Growl. He was the Vampire Warrior. Well, there you go. I think he still is, even sometimes. On, well, no, I think he, he owns Gang Grill now, right? I don't I remember. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I, I don't know. He was for the longest time. It's announced around this time that Jerry Lawler will be playing himself in the upcoming Andy Kaufman movie, Man on the Moon, starring Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman. Have you seen that movie? I have, yeah. It's really good. Can't I didn't hate it like a lot of people seem to. People hate it? I, people say it was trash. Yeah, they got bad reviews and stuff. I just, Wow. I, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a classic or anything, but I had a lot of fun watching it. For a biopic or biopic? Well, I love Jim Carrey, though. He's one of those guys, like, if he's in it, I'll watch it. I don't care how bad it sounds, but, you know. Well, like I said, for a biopic, biopic, whatever you want to call it, I thought it was pretty damn good. So, I mean, I thought it was fairly, I don't know exactly how accurate it all was, but the stuff that you can see video evidence of was pretty damn close. So, I liked it. Uh, Rick Martel has quietly retired from wrestling due to a recent knee and neck injury. And now for the Yes, he is a model. 
God. And for people that don't know in today's time, he wants absolutely nothing to do with wrestling. Like, if anybody reaches out to him about wrestling, he, like, turns them down in, like, with the quickness. Wow, it's like every woman I ever talked to. Cool. Wow. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, yeah, Conrad said he's reached out to him a couple times, and he's gotten respective no thank yous. WWE, I think WWE's reached out to him a couple times for Hall of Fame inductions, and he's like, no thanks. Well, he was in 2K uh, last year or year before last. I think it was probably, 19. Probably because uh, he didn't have to do anything for it. Uh, sure. They were like, hey, we'll give you money and we'll put you in this game. You don't have to do a damn thing. He's like, sure, send me a check. <laughs> I mean, I see nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Hell freaking yeah. Uh, Terry Funk finished up with the WWF this month, putting over Mankind in a Falls Count Anywhere match at a house show. Oh, it's so good, because, you know, Mankind's not over. <laughs> Dude, during this time, Terry Funk was just filler. He was basically a glorified jobber, which is really weird to say about Terry Funk, but it happened. Uh, speaking of glorified jobbers, Brian Lee, a.k.a. Change, DOA. <laughs> sorry, just that transition kills me. <laughs> <laughs> he was... I had to. I'm sorry. I'm going to hell. Hey, anyway. that was the fake Undertaker, man. You, you... Well, it's funny you should say that. He was fired by the WWF this week, or this month, rather. Uh, no reason given. Soon after being fired, he was arrested for something in Tennessee, and the local media reported that the Undertaker had been arrested, seemingly confusing the two. Well, they didn't confuse him. He was the Undertaker. Yeah, well, no, he was the Underfaker. All right. Well, I mean, that's not what it said on the yeah. advertising. Same. I I will say as a child and when I was like when I first got into wrestling and me and my buddies would go to Blockbuster to get tapes or VHS tapes, tapes. <laughs> yeah I, I saw Undertaker versus Undertaker on a box and I was like this is going to be awesome and then I started the tape and yeah and that, that damn it, bell rang yeah basically ah, here we go man here's some speak. I put all the legal stuff back to back here an appeals court in Reaver, Massachusetts, overturned a ruling that New Jack couldn't be charged for assault in the mass transit incident. They turned the case over to a grand jury, and New Jack will be arraigned this month. He was expected to be charged with assault with intent to commit bodily harm. Something tells me that's not the first time he's been brought up on that charge. Something tells me this is the least of any charges he's ever had. Yeah. Didn't he get, like, basically a slap on the wrist for this? I think so. Yeah, he... You know, Paul Heyman took him right back. God, yeah. He sliced Mass tra Mass Transit was a rather large seven... Wasn't he 17? Yes. Yeah, That's the whole right. premise of everything. Yeah, well, I couldn't remember if he was 16 or 17. But he, he was a rather large individual. He was... He dressed like a like a bus driver, and that's why he went by the gimmick name Mass Transit. But he lied about his age, and he... For the, I know a lot of people know the story. I'll just give the cliff notes. But he lied about his age to get on this ECW show, and he asked New Jack to cut him. So New Jack freaking cut him with a scalpel that he had... Didn't he tape it to the end of something? Ah, probably. I don't know. It sounds like some stupid crap he'd do. He sliced him open with a surgical scalpel, like, across his face. And it was so bad that they said... That Eric, whatever is, I can't remember his last name. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I just can't remember. But anyway, well, Mass Transit, yeah. he lost feeling in like 
a large portion of his face because he cut him so deep with that scalpel. Yeah, it was it was bad. And also, of course, according to New Jack, the father of mass transit was calling him the N word and everything else. So, yeah, you know, everybody on planet Earth calls New Jack the N word. We know this. Yeah, uh, apparently. Here's some more, man. That's Scott just outrunning thing, isn't it? Yep, apparently. Scott Hall was arrested for misdemeanor simple battery and and drunk and disorderly conduct this month in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, a 56-year-old woman told police that she was waiting in her car outside of her, her hotel when she spotted Hall and rolled down her window to speak with him. Hall allegedly reached into the car and grabbed the woman's breast and tried to pull her hand to his crotch. She reportedly told it to police that Hall or, and Hall was arrested in his hotel room, but was later released after being charged and is still working WCW events as a press time. God damn it, dude. This was a bad time for Scott Hall. Yeah, well, I don't want to be a jerk, but when is not a bad time for that man? Yeah, he went through a lot of bad times, that's all I gotta say. Hey, but you know, hey. bad times don't last, but bad guys do. Damn it! <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so was, one of us was I had there. it in the chamber. <laughs> there you go. Well, here you go, man. WCW Road Wild is in the books. Yay. God, man, yeah, that was that was uh man, it was I don't even have the sarcastic words for it, honestly. Well, I'll give the literal words for it. It featured the quote wrestling debut of Jay Leno. Well, he really just did a kind of some kind of hold, two arm, punches. With an arm lock or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did basically an arm bar, two punches, and a double clothesline, and that's really it. The finish was allegedly supposed to be Leno hitting the diamond cutter on Eric Bischoff, but they didn't trust him to do it properly, so they ended up having Kevin Eubanks do it instead, of all people. <laughs> I mean, whatever. This car... Well, he was probably more athletic. Well, well I'm sure he Anybody was. that gets that joke, please send the tweet. The card also featured Steve Mongo McMichaels versus Brian Adams, allegedly originally scheduled for 17 minutes, but was thankfully cut down to seven, which probably saved it from being the worst match of all time. <laughs> Uncle Dave gave that match negative two stars. And then Disco Inferno and Alex Wright versus The Public Enemy got negative one star, and Stevie F. and Ray versus Chavo Guerrero gets negative one star. This sounds like the worst pay-per-view of all time, and we just reviewed Road Wild 99. This sounds like a horrible episode of WCW Saturday Night. Coincidentally, this pay-per-view was on a Saturday night. Oh, God. I've seen better shows. I've seen better matches on Saturday night. Like, this was pathetic. I will never win. I say well, that to now. to be real fair... To be uh, real fair, there was no, <laughs> there were no tickets sold to this event, so they really didn't have to rely on packing the house with like to sell tickets, right? I mean, Wait, do you want to know something weird? This actually did a good number on pay per view. Why? Well, they, because they promoted the hell out of it on the night show. Who gives a crap? Who looked at this and was like, "That's worth a buy." My God, uh, just uh... The fact that they were promoting Jay Leno is in the main event would have made me not buy it. Yeah. I always, and this is coming from a huge Goldberg mark, as you know. I mean, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm kind of a fan of his. Uh, Only an avid fan. Have you, have you watched this pay-per-view? Uh, no. Okay. Um, I don't want to now. At the end, there's like a huge 
is it a battle royal or something? Some breaks out. No, no, no. There's uh, a battle royal like Goldberg's yeah. It's not the end. It's not the end. But um, first of all, like they count Goldberg's win streak in the battle royal. Every elimination, they're giving him another quote win, which I thought what? was stupid. Yeah, but the funny part to me that always sticks out to me for this show was at the end when Goldberg comes out to help DDP and Leno and everybody. He's wearing his WWE title, and it never comes off when he's beating everyone up. I just always found that to be so like stupid. I'm like, why do you have the title on when you're doing all this? I just never understood that. Here's a big debut this month. And you know who debuted in August for WCW, Greg? Ah, man. No. 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 Who? The Warrior. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And that. No, honestly, I was thinking of like horrible job. I mean, no, not that he's like great, but you know, like nobody's like Barry Horowitz or something. They stole, I think they stole a pay per view out of him. So there's. Uh, two of them actually. He was at Fall Brawl. Yeah, but I I mean, I don't know what the pay per view buy rates look like for Fall Brawl, but I think they were pretty. Oh, I think meant just once he appeared on. No, no, I just. Hey, just think, by the way, if they didn't sign him to a contract, British Bulldog might have never like broken his back on that trap door. I mean. Yeah. Hey, just. Hey, so, you know, win-win, I guess. All right. God, this was... I hope people pick up that sarcasm, please. Oh, I know. (laughs) Only a couple more things to to touch on here. ECW's Heat Wave pay-per-view is in the books, and finally broke the streak of bad ECW pay-per-views, according to Uncle Dave. It was arguably the best pay-per-view of the year from any company. I don't know. Have you seen Heat Wave 98? Uh, Probably. I just can't picture off the top of my head. Yeah, with him saying that crap, I'm kind of like, what the hell was on this show? Uh, no, I didn't do the research to so look back at what was on this card. So if anybody, uh, I'm gonna, yeah, I mean, I don't have to see it to know he's. I don't know. I don't. SummerSlam, or what we're about to do right now, was amazing. WrestleMania 14 was amazing. Yeah, so uh, I mean, maybe I'm biased, but the Royal Rumble that I was at this year was amazing. So I just, yeah, well, yeah, you're right. Well, the main event was Tommy Dreamer. The Sandman and Spike Dudley defeating the Dudley Boys, which was Bubba Ray, Devon, and Big Dick Dudley in a street fight. Taz yeah, defeated. definitely. This is the best pay-per-view of the year. Yes. Are you being serious? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was gonna, Hell no. Well, well <laughs> uh, Taz Why do you ask me that? I now like, question how much you know me. <laughs> I, well, you said I it so you seriously. For over a decade now. And seriously? <laughs> well. I figured you were joking, but you said it so convincingly. I was just like, wait, wait, what? I thought maybe this was like the one you really liked or something. I don't know. It, it looks like a good show, but nothing in it's making you go like, oh my gosh. I don't know, but... Well, uh, I mean, this is the same guy I said at this point in time, Hoobin Tukuro is the best wrestler on the planet, so... You know, not to just bring that up again, but like, that's like the thing, you know? Yeah. Well, while recapping the show, Uncle Dave mentions that Sonny quote, looking like she hadn't slept in days, came out with Chris came out with Chris Candido and was introduced as Tammy Lynn Sitch. He offhandedly notes that she was fired by the WWF the week before. Yes, the ninety day no compete clauses didn't exist back then, huh? Hell no. You saw people popping up all over the damn place. Final thing here, and this is important to the show, is on August second, nineteen ninety eight, WWE premiered Sunday Night Heat on the USA Network. A full year before SmackDown came to uh, became the secondary show, Heat was a one-hour accompaniment that showcased prominent stars and mid-card feuds. 
on the night of SummerSlam, Heat aired live for the first time ever, functioning as a SummerSlam pre-show. Incredibly, it did a low a low rating that uh, it did a lower rating than the four episodes preceding it. So there you go. Which well, I'm just gonna say this at least on my end. I can't speak for everybody here the way it used to be. Sunday Night Heat would not air live, okay? It would air at 7 o'clock leading into the 8 o'clock pay-per-view. And if you know time zones, and I know TJ doesn't know them that well. Um, yeah, I get that time zone uh, thing. <laughs> if you know time zones, okay, cl- think about it. You don't, need a, you don't need a calculator. The pay-per-view over here is going as that's starting. I would literally be done watching the pay-per-view and then turn on USA to catch the end of Heat. So, and I know that doesn't so necessarily weird. translate to everybody, but that's how it was, at least here. So it doesn't surprise me that they were low rated because everybody was watching the pay-per-view at that point. So, Wow. Yeah, that's that's so weird, though. I never understood it. Well, it's even weirder when we get into some of the details about this pay-per-view. And we'll get into that here in a second. We'll return after these messages. (sighs) The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Now, back to our program. Time to jump into pay-per-view, man, is WWF SummerSlam 1998. Took place on August 30th. The tagline was Highway to Hell, and that means it had one of the most badass theme songs of any pay-per-view ever, Highway to Hell by ACDC. I want to just mention one thing real quick about that. One of the yeah. one of the coolest visuals I remember from this era was the Monday Night Raw before this. I think Austin Locke's Kane, in the, I think I want to say it was Kane in the back of a, a hearse, and he's going to drive yeah. it out, and he, he's, he goes to get into the driver's seat, and the Undertaker turns his head, and he's in there, and they play Highway to Hell as Undertaker drives the hearse out of the arena. I don't know why, wow. but I always loved that visual. It was just so, so badass. There were so many cool visuals about this. Uh, it took place in Madison Square Garden in New York City. The attendance was 21,588, which I believe is a sellout. And the pay-per-view buy rate was a 1.48, which translates to 700,000 people. This, by the way, and this is why I say, I mean, now that you said what you said about the time zone thing with heat makes a little more sense, but this was the most bought SummerSlam of all time. It was bought by 198% more homes than the previous SummerSlam. That's weird, because that previous SummerSlam was really good, I thought. Almost 200% more people, man. That is nuts. The Sorry, Summer- Bret Hart fans. That means Austin's a bigger draw. I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know. I have, to say Austin, I have to say Austin because Undertaker was the common denominator in both matches, so. 
Yeah, uh, that's right. The Undertaker main yeah. evented two SummerSlams in a row. Yeah. Wow, I didn't even think about that. Wait, who who main evented SummerSlam '99? Mm, Triple H, H, Mankind, and Austin, okay. and Jesse oh. Ventura was the ref. That's so I will right. include Jesse Ventura as headlining too, because that does count. So. Wow, this is only headlining gig ever. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Holy crap. Oh. Uh, only one non-WrestleMania pay-per-view ever pulled in more buys than SummerSlam 98. Do you want to take a guess? WWE? Yes. WrestleMania, besides WrestleMania, you said? Yeah. Survivor Series 96? No. The Invasion pay-per-view of 2001, which did 775,000 buys. Wow. Yep. That is the that is the most bought non-WrestleMania event in WWE history. So oh, was nice that in your neck of the woods, too? I don't remember. Where the hell yeah, was Invasion? It was in Cleveland, I believe. Was it in no, Cleveland? I don't remember. I think it was in Cleveland because it was like ironic that it was there when that was where Vince was when he took WCW on that oh. one. I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> right. what it was. At the old Gund. <sighs> yeah, whatever the hell it is. That Rocket Mortgage Bullcrap Arena. Yeah. This one kind of hurt my heart. I knew it was going to happen, but it hurts. They dubbed over Highway to Hell at the beginning of the show. Yeah. I thought, I mean, because I know from Bruce Pritchard that Vincent Mann's a huge ACDC fan. You think he'll yeah. get some rights to it or something. Yeah, well, there's something else they cut out of the show later we'll get into, but the show... I'm not heartbroken over that, though. <laughs> the show opening Pyro is, like, they didn't load up the corners or shoot it from the ceiling or nothing. No, they, like, slid things into the ring and blew the Pyro from that. It was, like, dude, MSG back in the day was, like, bare-bones crap. Yeah, like, well, per Bruce Pritchard, they purposely made the interest really small to sell all those extra tickets they wouldn't have otherwise sold. Go look at WrestleMania 20. That's why the attendance is only, like, 15,000, because they had a full stage. So Yeah. Well, even then, like, you usually they set stuff up to have pyro in the ceiling or out of the corners, but no. But yeah, they were packed with rafters in here. You couldn't have fit you couldn't have fit more people in with a crowbar with this one. And I'm not talking about Devin Storm. Holy crap! Wow. I had I had to. Oh, man. The entryway for this one, like this is it was small, but this is one of my favorite sets of any pay per view of the Attitude Era. It was so freaking cool. It looked like you were walking through the gates of hell to the ring. I don't know. I, I freaking loved it. And just like the visual of this was I amazing. think you get a full appreciation for it during the main events. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And But the opening match, man, it was D'Lo Brown versus Val Venus. And D'Lo was defending his coveted, most prized WWF European Championship. And this, yeah. one, this one went just shy of 15 and a half minutes. Val Venus comes out and cuts his pre-match promo. He was almost like the WWF's version of Joel Gertner, only slightly less filthy, which is odd to say about a guy who can train a porn star. Also, he can wrestle, too. I need to point that out. That's, well, in, that's important to mention. Well, duh. I mean, that was just kind of a given. But when Val Venus says, hello, ladies, King asks, are there any ladies in New York? And JR says, of course there are. And King says, of the night. <laughs> Uh, Did I miss that? I think I must have missed I, that. I laughed so hard. I was like, I miss you, King. Val Venus cuts a short promo and says, I came, I saw, and I came again. Oh. Good night, everybody. Wow. <laughs> that line would have been more fitting at 
fully loaded with that bikini thing, but whatever. Oh, good lord. Uh, because he's the European champion, D'Lo is announced, originally from Chicago, Illinois, now hailing from Helsinki, Finland. <laughs> Why uh, Helsinki? <laughs> hell if I know. Uh, Edge is hanging around in the crowd, creeping during this match, as he's doing that whole you think gimmick. You me? Yeah, get weird thing. Uh, by, uh, by the way, apparently he was in the doghouse at this point because he legitimately injured Jose Estrada during his debut. Oh my god, really? Yeah. No wonder why we never saw Jose Estrada again. Yeah. That, was, that was a huge loss, man. Oh my gosh, you're a dick. Do you, well, do you remember that? Where Edge like did that front flip over the top rope and like his leg tomahawked him right on top of the head? I don't. They, yeah. It was like, just like completely blew my mind now. Like that's what happened to the great Jose Estrada. Yes, you're, and definitely put him in the doghouse for that. You're being a dick, but seriously, they were, he was part of Los Bariquas at the time, and yeah, Edge, like, did a front flip over the top rope, which we, you know, he didn't do very much after that, but he came, his leg came tomahawking down on top of Jose's head, and they, because I was wondering, I was like, was that supposed to happen? Because they end the match, like, he gets a count out, Edge gets a count out win, and then they bring out like doctors and help Jose to the back, and Edge looks like legit concerned. Okay, so, I want to. I want to point out. I was not laughing at that. Yeah. Just, In your defense, funny. I think he's okay. Okay. But yeah, uh, I I don't think, like seeing I, anybody get hurt. I don't care what I think of him. Yeah. But either way, the the biggest move of the match was when Val jumped off the top and got caught with a sky high from D'Lo in midair, but then he kicked out. Uh, I love that move, by the way. Hell yeah. Both men block each other's top rope finishers. Val ends up stealing D'Lo's chest protector, and when the referee tries to stop him, he shoves the referee aside and gets disqualified like an idiot. Why am I supposed to cheer for this guy now? Uh, because D'Lo... because uh, Vince Russo tells you to. I, I don't know. Because porn. God dang it. Uh, bro, he does adult films, bro. <laughs> tastefully done adult films, bro, what like Shaving something? Ryan's Privates. What are we saying, man? He would not say that. He would just well, say porn. Yeah. Like, like, like Vince Russo's PC. Right. Well, D'Lo ends up taking his chest protector back and escapes while Val scoop slams the referee and then nails the money shot. I said it was a decent opener. I gave it two and a half stars. Uncle Dave only gave it one and three fourth stars. What say you? I had a lot of fun watching it. It was, it was a solid two. Yeah. I was, I was never bored. No. I, I, I wasn't bored. I thought some they did some good stuff, but yeah, it's just like, why is Val Venus beating up that poor referee that's just trying to do his job? Like, good lord. And that's because he called like this cut. Guy. Probably because he called cut before the money shot. I don't know. Oh, good lord. Moving on. Speaking of money shots, Michael Cole's backstage with Mankind. And um, I got a question <laughs> that transition, but whatever. Oh, man. All right. Anyway, he's backstage with... You better not edit that out. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> He's backstage with Mankind next to a destroyed hearse, and Cole explains that on Sunday Night Heat, Stone Cold Steve Austin destroyed the hearse, thinking that The Undertaker and Kane were inside. But Mankind cut Michael Cole off and asked what's going to happen to him when he returns a rented hearse. He said he explains that, to, that he was going to stuff Kane inside there tonight, and that uh, while this may be good news for the Briscoe Body Shop, it's bad news for him. And then he randomly, <laughs> then he randomly pulls out pulls out a sledgehammer and says. Maybe I'll get to use the sledgehammer after all. Wouldn't that be nice? And then he walks away. 
you're not Triple H. What are you doing with that? Well, like about a year uh, away from doing that. <laughs> I know, right? And on Mankind, too, coincidentally. Wow. Wow, yeah. Well, this this next match, man, is the match. It's oh, Kai and Tai. Oh, hell yeah. This is it's what Kai. you came for right here, folks. Whoa, uh, we just talked about Val Venus. Anyway, oh, man. <laughs> it's it's the team, <laughs> the four-man team of Kai and Tai, Takami Shinoku, Shofunaki, Men's Teiyau, and Dick Dick Togo. Uh, he What's is his actual they, name? No, you gotta get a little dick to go in there. Yeah, it is like but they are with Yamaguchi-san, and they are taking on the team of the Oddities, which I thought that was Kai and Tai. But anyway, uh, the Oddities are Kurgan, Giant Silva, and Golga. They are with the Insane Clown Posse and Luna Vachon. It's a four-on-three handicap match. It goes for ten freaking minutes and ten seconds. Ten minutes too long. Because Giant Silva never wrestles, by the way. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, never wrestled. Not that I was, like, aching for it, but I'm like, what the hell? You were there, but you never wrestled a match. Right. Um, by the way, I wanted to put over the fact that I have a Jax figure of Kurgan. That Kurgan? So, no, the the one, he came in a two-pack with, uh, uh, what's a Jackal. Get he's, in his, he's in his black tights with the, with well, the, that's... the, the electric tape on his, the end of his fingers. That's Kurgan the interrogator, though. That's not yes. Kurgan. Well, whatever, still Kurgan. It was post, what the hell did they call themselves? That freaking the Truth Commission. Yeah, it was post-Truth Commission, pre-oddities. So there you go. And Fun he had fact, Bull Buchanan was part of that group. Yeah, we'll call that a fun fact. <laughs> I just like throwing out obscure references. The entrance of the oddities was cut off the WWE Network because apparently they couldn't pay the ICP to use the greatest show. Which, uh, which is funny because they wrote that for them. Yeah, I know. I because that. this song is on their album, The Great Malenko, but it's not this version of the song. This was a separate, like, clean, cleaned up version for WWF, specifically. I, there might be an issue with some bad blood because a, a, apparently ICP was gone shortly after this event because Vince and WWF kept saying they were going to, you know, sell, uh, or, or not sell, but like uh, put commercials during Raw for ICP's latest album. And they kept, you know, moving the goalposts and then they just never showed commercials. So ICP was like, all right, we're gone. God, what another loss, man. Yeah, not that it was a big loss, but, you know. Hey, fun fact, ICP was in ECW, WCW, WWF, and TNA, so uh, You that. know what, my Bobby Cannon fact was more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Golga is dancing to the Kayantai theme, so <laughs> there, there's that. Golga, for nobody, for people that don't know, was John Tenta, a.k.a. Earthquake, and I'm going to leave out his other names, but he had... He, uh, the shark! God. Leave that out, what's wrong with you? Yeah, well, I have, he, a, I have a Mattel figure of him with the shark. Well, I don't. I have a That's Mattel a figure of Earthquake. A, I have that too. It's a very, very rare figure, by the way. Yeah, I figure it would be because because why wouldn't it be? But yeah, he had lost too much weight, according to WWF, to come back as Earthquake. So they put him in a mask and made him freaking Golga. Well, good for him, by the way. <sighs> For losing weight, yeah, and, and getting a job, yeah. But, God, this thing, man. It's weird to say that Golga is the worker of the team. <laughs> We're but, very liberal with that word on this show, folks. <laughs> yeah. Well, he ends up stealing Yamaguchi-san's shoes and drinking something out of it. It's disgusting. It's, it's an oddity. 
This is a comedy match. God real damn cool, it. Real cool from Bruce Pritchard, by the way. Wow. This is a comedy match, and they don't try to hide it. There's zero chance of taking any of this seriously. The Japanese team... I don't know, just, man. I left. <laughs> the Japanese team bumps their asses off for the large oddities, and it's just it's embarrassing. In the end, Luna stops Yamaguchi-san from interfering. Silva and Kurgan nail all four members of Kaintai with double choke slams, and Golga lays on them all for the pinfall win. Uncle Dave gave this negative two stars. I gave it one star. What's with you? <laughs> ah, man. This is another one of those ones where I was like, like I've said before, I don't like giving zero stars unless like nothing happens. So I will kid. say one. Definitely a dud. Yeah, uh, it, it sucked. I was like, why is this on this show? But oddly enough, we go to a really good match after that. It is Jeff Jarrett with Southern Justice uh, taking on Xbox with Howard Finkel. And I'll explain in a minute. It was hair versus hair. It went for 11 minutes, 11 seconds. I just got to say before we start, man, 1998 was probably Sean Waltman's greatest year of his entire career, in my opinion. And he was 26 years old. What were you doing when you were 26, Greg? <laughs> Uh, what, what year was that? 2009? 10? Yeah, yeah. 11? 11? I don't know. Not much. Yeah, it, well, you weren't having a marquee match in Madison Square Garden against the Jeff Jarrett, so there's that. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it's just Jarrett. crazy to me, though. Like, like one year earlier, he uh, X-Pac was like in the NWO. Right. At, like, Horrible Road Wild, and now, a year later, he's part of the uh, DX at Madison Square Garden. Yep. In one of the most built-up matches, by the way. That's yeah, I know. Crazy what a year it makes. Yeah, it's nuts to think about, man. Jarrett had started painting Don't Piss Me Off on the back of his guitar. And we all know that's leading to some classic stuff. <laughs> yeah, beating up 80-year-old women, man. God. And getting beat up by, uh, you know, 200-pound women. So there's that. They show a highlight of Double J, we'll call it a highlight, of Double J shaving Howard Finkel's head on heat, which is now why he's in the corner of X-Pac. I don't want to speak ill of the dead, okay, but what hair, what hair did they shave? It, it, I think it was an improvement. I'm just okay. going to say it. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter, uh, by the way, I forgot to mention, Southern Justice is the former Godwins. What, what are they now? They were going by their real names here. What was it? Uh, Canterbury, Dennis Knight. Yeah, there you go. Right before Mark Canterbury would be no more, and Dennis Knight would go on to be Midian, and then be naked. Hell yeah. So there's that. But Sergeant Slaughter tells Southern Justice that they're not allowed at the ring for the match, but Fink is. X-Pac gets Fink to do the crotch chop pyro thing with him, and Finkel has no idea where the hell he, <laughs> he should look or what he should do. It was awkward. His, his hands are like Mae Young's when he does it too. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> and, then, and then he and then he gets Howard to yell "suck it" into the mic at Jarrett. <sighs> Good lord! I will say this: I I mean I don't go make a habit of going back and watching a lot of Jeff Jarrett matches around this time, but this was one of the best Jeff Jarrett matches I have ever seen in his entirety in WWF. Well, you, his matches against Razor was pretty decent. Yeah, I wasn't super into those like you were. I thought they were okay. I just, eh. But I don't know. This one, man, was freaking just great. And oddly enough, Sean Walton was involved in that feud with Razor, too. <laughs> right. Uh, and what's weird is seeing Jeff Jarrett here, the way, you know, he was morphing. He had the goatee. 
but he had started shaving people's heads, whatever. Just like a month before this, he's coming out with Tennessee Lee with a pyro and a light-up outfit and crap. And that's so, when you could piss him off. Yeah. Now, slap nuts, you better watch it. In the end, X-Pac goes for the Bronco Buster and Jarrett blocks it with a boot to the nards, but the referee doesn't call it. Finkel gets on the apron to argue and gets punched by Jarrett. This allows X-Pac to nail the X-Factor for a near fall before Southern Justice comes back down to the ring and slides a guitar in and creates a distraction. But X-Pac fights him off, steals the guitar, and El Cabong's Jarrett behind the referee's back and gets the one, two, three. I gave this three stars, as did Uncle Dave. What say you? I don't know. Maybe I was just thinking I'm weird. I didn't enjoy it as much as everyone else. I said two. Man, but I, I, I love this match. It was, it was fun watching it, though. I I loved it. For, I try not to grade on nostalgia because that's a slippery slope. Yeah. But right. I, I love this as a kid. I love it as an adult. But watching it, I honestly, because I don't remember much of it, I didn't expect this much out of Jarrett. So him, I thought him and Waltman did a damn good job together. When you put it like that, you almost wonder if he was like, on the bubble, get it together, you're out. <laughs> right. Well, if you can't have, and I've heard everybody say this. They said, if you can't have a good match with Sean Waltman, you're not cut out for this business. It's the only person in history Jim Cornette's ever insulted and apologized to. Wow. The reason I bring that up is because that was no remorse ever for anything he says. And he apologized to him for what? Yeah, he's for burying him, saying he was horrible. <laughs> How can you say he was horrible? You could say well, he was clearly, a, a Cornette jerk. But... knew he was in the wrong. I don't know. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, the New Age Outlaws, Draws, and the Headbangers come out with chairs to keep Southern Justice back. And then they hold Jarrett down to give him the shave job. And uh, X-Pac has the, the buzzer, razor, whatever. And it's not working. You can <laughs> tell. It's just, it's not, it was battery operated. Nobody checked to see that the batteries were full. And you had was, one job. Right, I know. I was like, who had to slip through the cracks? But no one was going to get their head shaved like Jerry Lawler kept insisting was going to happen on commentary. So, X-Pac turns to scissors. This honestly should have been called a loser gets a better haircut match because nobody got shaved. Didn't they uh, say uh, they're going to finish it in the back? I don't remember. I feel like they said that on commentary to cover it up. I feel like I remember them saying that. Well, Jarrett just came out with a friggin', like, High and tight, basically. Like, it just, he had, he got a better freaking haircut. Who cares? By the way, Jarrett, if you watch him during this whole thing, Jarrett honestly doesn't even seem that pissed off that he just is, is getting his haircut. He seems like more argumentative that he was like, Hey, he used the guitar, man. No, he, he cheated. What, like, what's going on? He, he couldn't give a crap less that he was getting his haircut because he knew that Waltman was just saving him $5 at Great Clips. What the hell? <laughs> I'm serious. Like, it's just... Uh, something else. <laughs> something else I didn't know of until I saw it. I was like, wow. I didn't know he was still doing stuff in 98 in WWF, but we had a Doc Hendricks sighting. He's pumping up the lion's den, talking about how dangerous it looks and how he predicts Owen Hart will get injured in it. And it uh, do you sure? Yeah, I was kind of shocked when I saw that too, but I was pretty sure like he's coming up on the point where he's going to become Michael Hayes and manage the Hardys for a bit. Yeah, so this was an odd time for him. The clip is then shown to The Rock attacking Triple H's knee with the Intercontinental title on Sunday Night Heat. 
back when they allowed titles to be called belts. I say that because Michael Cole blatantly calls it a belt. Uh, and then Michael Cole gets comments from The Rock on all of this, and The Rock tells him that The Rock's going to sm- uh, smack the yellow off your teeth if you keep asking stupid questions. I loved something that uh, Uncle Dave put in the newsletter about Michael Cole. He said, man, kind of sucks to be him. <laughs> yeah. When you think about it, like, you know, he kind of earned his stripes early. Yeah. Him and Kevin Kelly used to take some abuse from The Rock, dude. It was bad. Uh, speaking of taking abuse, up next, it's Mark Marrow and Jacqueline taking on Sable and a mystery partner. In a mixed tag team match, it went eight minutes and 26 seconds. Highlights are shown of Jacqueline repeatedly jumping Sable from behind on Raw's War and Sunday Night Heat. By the way, this is a random note to make, but I forgot how badass Mark Marrow's theme song was. Mm. Oh, that one. It was decent. I freaking loved it. As soon as it hit, I was like, damn, that's like high freaking energy. I think they gave it to Bill DeMott when he came to WWE. Oh, well, if anybody deserved it. Well, I was going to say, not that Mark Merrow deserved a badass theme either, but it's not like he was Johnny B. Bad. Hugh F. and Morris. Uh, I was going to say, I also put in my notes, I said it's about the only badass thing about Mark Merrow in the WWF. I'm not going to lie, I was kind of a mark for him when he came in as a wild man. Yeah, you were a mark for Mark Merrow. There you go. Here's the one. <laughs> Lawler talking about Sable says... My name's not Elmo, but you can tickle me anytime. Wow. That was incredibly creepy. Sable announces her mystery partner is Edge. And Edge comes through the crowd for a shock. It's not Jose Estrada? I know. He should... Hey, Jose should have come out here with wearing no shirt, still looking like he had a sweater on. (laughs) But whenever Jacqueline tags in, she tags right back out uh, when Sable gets in the ring. Finally, Sable goes for a Sable bomb on Mero, but Jacqueline stopped it. She then hit a TKO on Jacqueline, and Mero pulled Sable off of the pin. When Jacqueline jumps on Edge's back, he pulls her off and puts her over his knee and paddles her with his bare hand. Bro, things he's going to smack her ass in the garden, bro. Things would not fly in, in 2020. <laughs> uh, both Mero Yeah, everything and ja- on the show. Yeah, basically. Both Mero and Jacqueline accidentally hit each other like a thousand times. The match finally ends with a downward spiral from Edge to Mero, and then Edge wheelbarrows up Sable and slams her on top of Mero for the win. Uncle Dave gave this a star and a half. I gave it two stars. What say you? I gave it one star, and when you just said the words, this match finally ends, I was like, yes, never have you been more correct on something. <laughs> this match finally ends. Yeah, this wasn't It wasn't great. I gave it below average, but... Yeah, I didn't think it sucked. It just wasn't great. Uh, I have a different mind. I think it sucked, but that's just me. <laughs> something that sucked was, I mean, Sable looked like how she looked, obviously, and she was hugely over. But my God, her voice sounded like that naggy substitute teacher that you hate. Am I the only one that thinks that? Uh, I never thought of it till now, but yeah, I can definitely see that. And you could definitely tell during this match when she was, like, angry screaming at everybody throughout the whole match. And I was like, my God, shut her up. (laughs) Speaking of somebody who needs to be shut up, Michael Cole is backstage again with Mankind, saying that Kane will not be here tonight. So he asked Mankind if he'll defend the tag team titles tonight without a partner. 
and he says the people want their money's worth. And Mankind tells Cole that maybe you should be my partner tonight, or maybe I should go play in traffic, because he's gonna, I'm going to get killed out there. He's basically pulling a Mikey Whipwreck from, <laughs> from ECW. Vince McMahon then stops Mankind and talks him up, telling him that he deserves to be in the Madison Square Garden Hall of Fame if he goes out there and defends his titles all alone tonight. Mankind says that he needs to find weapons to fend off the New Age outlaws, and he said, and I've got 13 words for him. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? And then he walks away. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> what the freaking hell? <laughs> what the hell was this? He hadn't even taken the sledgehammer to the face yet, by the way. <laughs> Not oh, to jump dude. ahead, but... <laughs> In the build-up to this ma- this uh, Lion's Den match coming up, by the way, Dan Severn helped Owen Hart to get the jump on Ken Shamrock multiple times, and, supp- and he supposedly trained Owen on some MMA, and he helped uh, and he helped take Shamrock out a few times. So, and he and he was teaching him the Beast Choker, which is the uh, that Dragon Sleeper that he did. The Beast Choker is Ralph Venus yeah. in the match too. Good lord! No, it's, well, why do we keep going back to Wiener? Yeah, you did. <laughs> Uh, this match, Owen Hart versus Ken Shamrock, Lion's Den match. This went 9 minutes, 16 seconds. For those of you that don't know what the Lion's Den was, it almost looked like the Octagon, but like one-third its size. It looked like the Octagon crossed with that well, that fight pit they did in NXT. Yeah. Kind of like that. But, I actually thought smaller. that fight pit was the uh, Yeah, it was an upgraded Den, version. So, yeah. yeah, it was an upgraded version of the Lion's Den for sure. Uh, because they even had the thing, like, the ledge around the top, and that's where the referee stood. But they, but it wasn't in a ring. This actually took place in the theater of Madison Square Garden, not in the arena itself. Uh, that may, in my opinion, that may have actually made the crowd a little hotter, because they hadn't seen anything live all night in that theater. You, you think so? Yeah. Because yeah, that, that crowd was red freaking hot for this, man. I said I'm going to assume was, they just, like, got in for free. No, I think they had to pay to get in that theater. But I'll watch I, one match. And watch the rest of it on TV, yes. Uh, we'll get to the TVs here in a second. But anyway, this was, in my opinion, a great match, and the crowd was hot as hell. Owen locked in the sharpshooter at one point, but Shamrock used his hands to climb up the side of the cage and break the hold. When Owen gets the beast choker in, uh, Shamrock walks the side of the cage, backflips, lands on his feet. He drops Owen with a Fujiwara armbar and turns it into the ankle lock. Owen wants Dan Severn to throw in the towel, but Severn gets frustrated and just leaves, and Owen taps out. Man, Uncle Dave gave this three and a half stars. I gave it an even three. What say you? I gave it three as well. I thought it was really good. Yeah, this was very entertaining. Uh, I just, it was it was a great friggin'. I, I really didn't expect much, because, I don't know, as a kid, I don't recall liking this for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, and I was a, I, I was a mark for both these guys. I was all over this match, honestly. I loved it. I yeah, yeah. I, adult, I I love Ken Shamrock by the way. I want to yeah, I've always been a huge time. mark for him. Well, I think I, we mentioned on here a couple times how when we were in New Orleans, I had like a long conversation with them. That was mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, yeah, cool dude. There, he seemed like a cool dude, and he's currently wasting away in Impact Wrestling. So there's that. But anyway, yeah. hey, he's getting paid. That's all I can say. I don't Good think he's him. complaining. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Whatever. Michael Cole is backstage again. Another frickin' Michael Cole sighting. 
He's backstage with Stone Cold Steve Austin and tells him that The Undertaker will be alone tonight. He will not have Kane. Austin says that he's not totally convinced of that, and he says that he'll cheap shot The Undertaker to death if it means keeping the world title. And then he cuts the interview off. I think he says something about, and that's all I have to say to you about that. And then he just walks away, and they're like, well, I guess the interview's over. Forrest Gump uh, style. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> my God. I never even thought about that. But yeah, the Texan doing his impression of a guy from Alabama. Roll Tide. No. <laughs> Up next, Mankind by himself defends the WWF Tag Team Championships against the New Age Outlaws in a no-holds-barred, falls-count-anywhere handicap match. This went for 5 minutes, 16 seconds. It's funny that during Mankind's entrance, he has to walk past the guys wheeling the large tube televisions to the back, because Madison Square Garden didn't have screens to show the Lions Den match on, so they wheeled out giant televisions for the crowd to watch like they're in fifth grade biology <laughs> class. Fun fun fact real quick. Another SummerSlam, 96. They had the Boiler Room Brawl. Yeah. Uh, they also they showed the those thing. on TVs. Yeah, so that was just a standard thing back then. <laughs> like, what the heck? You, they didn't have screens, like overhead trons at that I, time? I know for a fact that the Knicks play here, the Rangers play there. I just, I would assume there's a scoreboard above. I I don't... You would assume. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it costs more to use it. <laughs> the outlaws come well, out... tells me Vince had probably connections, so I don't think that's a thing. But... But I don't know, man. When you hear about that they were gouging them for rent the last few years, I don't know. you start to wonder. Now it is in New York, so... The outlaws come out wearing uh, South Park shirts and wheeling out a dumpster. Which, by the way, they never end up using, but we'll talk about that in a minute. On the kind of funny, of by the way, they're bringing out a dumpster with Mankind. They just had that dumpster match with WrestleMania with Cactus, but... Yeah, right. Did you catch that? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, good lord. Uh, on the back of Road Dog's shirt, he airbrushed, place bets here with an arrow pointing to his ass. <laughs> I, like, I was like, what? You would wear that, shut up. Uh, no, I'm good. I don't believe you. The New Age Outlaws finally get the win when they drop Mankind with a spike pile driver on the tag team title belt for the pinfall victory. Billy Gunn won his sixth world tag team title here under the WWE banner, breaking out uh, of the four-way tie with Mr. Fuji, Tony Gurria, and Mike Rotundo. That's some uh, odd company. He also had two partners for all this, too. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, me and Uncle Dave gave this one star because it I mean, it was fun, but it wasn't much of a match. What say you? I gave it one star because I thought it was horrible. If it was at least fun to me, I probably would have said two. But... Eh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, clearly I... this was a this was to get somewhere else. So, right. you know, not to make an excuse, but that's, you know. It was fun. You'll see what yeah. we mean here in a second. <laughs> well, after the match, the outlaws stuff mankind into the dumpster, and then Kane pops up with these, with a sledgehammer. Did I miss something, or was he in the dumpster the whole time? Uh, I didn't see him get in, so I just... Yeah, there. okay, so, yeah, he popped up out of the dumpster, he had a sledgehammer in a hand, and then he drops the sledgehammer, allegedly, on Mankind's face. Yeah. So, there's that. And then the outlaws hightail it as Kane pushes the dumpster to the back, because they don't want no part of that. They don't want that smoke. And what do they do after with the dumpster? I, I What do they do with the dumpster? No, I don't nothing. Know. Nothing. And that's why I'm like, why the hell did Kane push it to the back? 
Um, well, he's taking out the trash, Greg. He's being courteous. God, Paul Bearer raised him correctly, Greg. Oh, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't want that guy running your city, you know, Knoxville. Uh, Knoxville County. Hey. I just thought it was funny. Like, is he gonna go push it out the back or off of a loading dock or something? What? I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, apparently nothing. Yeah, that's, that was my whole thing with him. Like, why did he do it? We've seen it a million times stuff like that in wrestling. Like, stagehands do it. I mean, you don't see it, but unless you're there live. But you know, it's like right. other wrestler doesn't do it unless there's more going on. Right. But, yeah. Well, can you imagine? Now that I'm thinking, I'm going down this rabbit hole real quick. Can you imagine growing up, Kane's like. Hey, Dad, do you want me to take out the garbage? And he's like, oh, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> uh, up next, man, it's the, in, my, in our opinion, the match on the card. It's The Rock defending the Intercontinental title against Triple H in a ladder match that went for 26 minutes and one second. <sighs> this, was a, this was a doozy, man. Triple H is played to the ring by the DX band. And this was a pretty cool entrance for both of them. The Rock comes out. I forgot how badass his 1998 theme was. It had some bass to it, dude. But he walked to the he walked to the ring like a friggin' badass and just staring Triple H down. I pointed this out. Like, Triple H, the way they're, like, facing off in the ring, Triple H has his back to the camera, and The Rock is, like, facing the camera. So you can read everything The Rock is saying on his lips, and he drops multiple f bombs on Triple H, calling him an mf'er and everything else. Did you catch that? Uh, I I saw him talking. I didn't like. I wasn't like trying to make out what he was saying though. But uh, oh yeah, because he he was because he's talking kind of slow. He's he, and he says something about like f you mother f'er, and what, I'm like, damn. And then they start beating each other up. Probably uh, said something bad about his mother or something. <laughs> Uh, China and Mark Henry. Oh, I forgot to mention Mark Henry is in The Rock's corner and China's in Triple H's corner. Uh, China and Mark Henry both interfere, interfere in this match quite a few times. The Rock gets busted open with, uh, when Triple H baseball, uh, baseball slides the ladder into his face. Helmsley got. Triple the, H, you in a baseball slide, by the way. Just, just. Just think about that, yeah. Point that out. <laughs> uh, Helmsley beat there, had the absolute tar beaten out of him through a lot of this match, by the way. He took a beating and a half. Uh, both men are on the ladder when China hits the rock with a low blow, allowing Triple H to grab the Intercontinental title for the win. Oh, uh, I forgot to mention, this was uh, Triple H finally hit a pedigree on the rock, and right afterwards, Mark Henry threw powder in his face. So yeah. you're like, what the hell? And then he blindly climbs the ladder. This allows the rock to climb up with him. That's when China hits a low blow. Triple H grabs the Intercontinental title. He gets the win. DX all comes out, and they all celebrate their dominance throughout the night. They all won their matches, and they all won. Well, uh, uh, X Pac was the only one that didn't win gold this night, but no. But they sure point out that uh, he won Jeff Jarrett's hair. <laughs> oh well, that's a <laughs> prize and a half. Hey, um, those luscious Nashville Golden Locks, man! Come on, hell yeah! This was shortly before Triple H would take some time off to get knee surgery after this match, and was actually he was working this match with a severe knee injury, which is why they covered it up with The Rock blasting him in the knee on heat. You still so, wonder why he won the match, too, by the way. I know, right? They were like, ah, we're just gonna drill through with it. It's like, eh? I mean, The Rock would go on to bigger and better things, but, you know, whatever. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, Triple H wouldn't. Well, no, I, I mean, he did when he came back from his surgery and all that. But I, I assume... 
Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm assuming with them putting the the icy belt on him at this point, they didn't have plans for him to, you know, have a rocket on his back. So, whereas The Rock obviously did. I mean, he was going to be headlining the very next WrestleMania with Stone Cold for the world title. Triple H came back, and yeah, he became the game and all that good stuff. So, I don't think it himself. Yeah, I don't think it worked out too poorly for him. Uh, Uncle Dave and I, well, I know what your opinion is on it, but Uncle Dave and I both gave it four and a half stars. What say you? I think this is one of the greatest ladder matches in history. This is a solid buy for me. I will say this is one of my favorite ladder matches of all freaking time. And they made sure to point out that the standard was set by Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon at WrestleMania 10. In at that very point, arena. At this point, yes. I think the new standard would be set No Mercy the next year with Edge and Christian, the Hardy Boys. Well, and then there was the WrestleMania 16 ladder match. That was, yeah. That was we'll a have to, We'll have to get into some of these at one point, but yeah, I feel, I feel like the No Mercy 99 ladder match is often forgotten, which is such a damn shame. I forgot about it. I, I have to go back and watch that. So Come on, bro. It was part of the TIT, bro. Oh my gosh. Shut the F up. Well, it was the Terry Invitational Tournament. But you Yes, know, I know. It was nice and abbreviated for you. <laughs> like Sports Entertainment Extreme. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. And Russo had such a such a lovely mind. And had, and, and implying that he no longer has a horrible mind. Okay. Yeah, where, where he watched Brawl for All to this day and goes, I'm entertained by this, bro. And it's like, you're the only one. Well, of course he's entertained. It's his freaking idea. Oh, you're a moron. <laughs> The only thing I want to point he, out... He wrote, he wrote television shows, bro, not wrestling shows. Yeah, clearly. That is a major wrestling figure podcast reference. Nice. Yeah, I I didn't get that one. <laughs> uh, I, I did want to point this out before the main event. Just something I, I noticed that I thought was funny. Behind, they do an on-camera with JR and the King, and behind them, somebody has a sign that says Venus Envy. Yes. I think Val had uh, said that on the wall a couple weeks before. Of course he did. Yeah. yeah, we talk about some of the one of the signs he held up uh, against Dustin Runnels on our bonus show. Go back and listen. You gotta love Dustin. it. The guy's like doing a thing where he's talking about Jesus and how he's. Well, I mean, oh, it was perceived to be that like yeah, Jesus is coming so. back. Jesus is coming back, and and they do that. <laughs> yeah, talk <laughs> about ejaculate, bro. That's a good tie into that, you know. Oh, yeah, I don't know. We'll return after these messages. Enjoy! Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Now, back to our program.
Well, the main event, man, is Stone Cold Steve Austin defending the WWF World Heavyweight Championship against The Undertaker. Both men had awesome entrances. The Undertaker came out with, like, the Gates of Hell freaking opening. He had you and I's favorite song in his entire career. Yeah, uh, man, that's... Did you say he, he debuted that at Fully Loaded? He debuted a version of that, but the current that one at SummerSlam was like on Raw. Oh, I mean, okay. it's it's like the same ish, but this if you listen to them back to back, there's clearly some differences. But yeah, so yeah. yes and no. So you know, you got the blue lights. You got walking through the gates of hell. It looked like he was walking through the gates of hell to his kingdom, and it was just man, I just awesome. You look back on this, and I feel like this is one of his forgotten great entrances. And I know he's had like. 100,000 better entrances, but man, this one was so good. And this one was and just also, with the music, with the music too, by the way. Too. Well, hell yeah. Well, with the music, and then I think it was just the set piece that made it so great. Yeah. And then Stone Cold, they set up uh, the glass, the shatter for him to walk through, which they did. I didn't realize they did that as often as they did back in the day. Because yeah. he's done that entrance like three, four times. And this one broke. <laughs> Yeah, right. What was the one that only, like, half broke and shouldered his ass through it? I want to say the SummerSlam against Owen Hart. Ah, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yes, 97. Yeah, so... Was that just the SummerSlam thing? Well, he did it at WrestleMania one WrestleMania year WrestleMania 13 against Brett, I think? Yeah, I want to say so, because it was the old tunnel. Yeah. So... I do want to point out, by the way, too, during the match, you can see the stagehands clean it up, like, for a long time. <laughs> wow. Nice. Yeah, this uh, this was, it was cool, though, and I have that, that Stone Cold that you sent me in a two-pack with CM Punk came with this vest. I just now realized that. Oh, so they took Austin as prime against Punk in his prime, then, for that pack. That's good. I like that. Yep, basically. Uh, but this match went on for 20 minutes, 52 seconds. Stone Cold was knocked out during this match when The Undertaker was bent over. And Austin hit the ropes. He comes back. He kicks him in the, in the chest. And Undertaker does that thing where he shoots right up. But Austin was kind of leaning over him. So Undertaker, like, bonked him in the head. And Austin, like, falls straight back. And according to him, he's he got knocked out for about three seconds. So, and then he asked... He asked Earl Hebner later on, he goes, where am I? And he, he said, Earl leaned in and goes, you're in the garden, kid. Wow. <laughs> kid. I, yeah. Well, to Earl, I mean. Yeah, right. It was said that Kane wouldn't be involved, but he comes out halfway through the match, and Undertaker ends up telling Kane to leave and go to the back, which he did. Uh, at one point, they brawl through the crowd, Taker even... This one, man, I can't believe I saw what I just saw. He, Undertaker lays Stone Cold on the announce table, gets on the top rope, and jumps and does a freaking diving leg drop off the top rope to Austin through the freaking announce table. That yeah. was nuts. This is Undertaker's t pushing like 300 pounds, too, by the way, so. Right, yeah. yeah. And then Austin catches Undertaker with a supposed unintentional low blow coming out of old school. And then he hits a Stone Cold Stunner and gets the pinfall win. And this means that D'Lo Brown was officially the only heel all night to win a match. And that was in the opener. You ever yeah. thought about that? Didn't realize it until you just said it. Huh? Yeah. Uh, Uncle Dave and I both gave this three and a half stars. What say you? I gave it 
four, I thought it was really great. Uh, I just, it was definitely not a five star, but man, it was so damn good. They I said. feel like this is one of the better matches of the whole Attitude Era, honestly. Yeah, it was. This was like fantastic. I thought it lived up to the hype. And Austin's, well, keep in mind they built this since uh, King of the Ring, so it was going. You know, it was like, yeah. Well, Austin uh, allegedly Austin hated this match, and he thought it was the drizzling craps. Yeah, but, he said the same thing about his match with Shawn Michaels. I think he was just yeah. a perfectionist. Yeah, and I mean he did it's get not a knocked bad out. Thing. Yeah, right. Right. So he probably thought it could have been better if he didn't get knocked out, which, I mean, you can tell right after he gets knocked out, the match gets a little sloppy for a while. But not it's not, like, bad. You know, it's just it's a little slow for a few, I don't know, about an, a minute, minute and a half as he's trying to get his bearings back to him. You ever realize, by the way, not to be off topic, but a lot of Austin's most famous matches involve legitimate injuries? Like, the match with Owen Hart is remembered because he broke his neck. The match with Michaels is remembered because Michaels has a broken back. The match with Undertaker is remembered because he legit got knocked out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, well, his match... Talk about live rounds, man. There you go. Well, his his match at King of the Ring uh, that we covered earlier was... uh, I mean, that was memorable when he came out with a staff infection. (laughs) That's right, yeah. Yeah, And then I I leave with King of the Ring in 2001, he uh, got his wrist broken being put through a table. Yeah. Damn. And seen a pattern near why he's retired. Well, and then there was uh right before his retirement match at WrestleMania nineteen, they didn't know if he was gonna be able to go on because he was running on a ton of Red Bulls and little sleep and he ended up checking himself in the hospital with like irregular heartbeats. Yeah, yeah. So there you go, man. Frickin' stone cold. But after this match the Undertaker grabs a smoking skull belt that the Undertaker that the Austin was using at this time. He hands it to Austin, then he leaves. Kane comes out, and they both stand next to each other at the entrance gate. And they stare at Austin. Yeah. And they both stare at Austin before walking off. Someone in the crowd, I noticed before the the show went off the air, someone in the crowd had a full-size cutout of Stone Cold. That was like a thing back then. Yeah, that was kind of weird. I'm like, how the hell do you get that big-ass thing into the arena, and why? I'd have been pissed sitting next to him. That's all I got to say. Well, like nowadays, they still do that. Like, you know, well, when we when we can see fans again, they all have yeah. those huge fat heads. So those efforts suck. I will. I do laugh when occasionally on hard cam, you'll see a cutout of Conrad Thompson's head or something like that. I thought it was funny, but that's probably the one I scoff at the most. <laughs> like, dude, really? That idiot. Hey, he's the pod father. All right, roll tide. Uh, no to that, but well, I do think it's funny. No, 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 you can't yes. pick and choose. Oh, I can. Screw his teams, but yeah, I don't know. I like his podcast. Either way, uh, that's the end of the show, man. We'll return after these messages. Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand-assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. 
Now, back to our program. Final ratings for this. IMDb gave it 7.5 out of 10. Cagematch.net gave it 7.39 out of 10. I gave it 8 out of 10. What do you say? Right there with you. I thought it was an 8 as well. Yeah, if they had like, one or two more good matches, I might have said an A-, minus. but... Yeah, I thought it was a, thought it was a damn good show. An 8 is a, I I mean, good I a B+. Plus. The, I think it's one of the better Summer Slams ever, honestly. I still I think like it. 2002 was like the one. That was the one you and I watched uh, in the hotel before SummerSlam 2015. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, but, we got to watch the best, best one ever before we go to like your first one. So I think we agreed on that one, which was. Yeah. And it was a, as a probably the best opening match in SummerSlam history. I don't know. Ray and Dolph were up there, man. I think it was 2009, eight or nine. I can't, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love both those guys, and I don't remember the match off the top of my head, but it would be hard for me to put anything above Ray Mysterio, Ray Mysterio and uh, Kurt Angle. Uh, you may have to watch that, we'll have to talk about that off air. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But, coming up, man, uh, I'm just gonna, I'll, I'll give a heads up for what's next week, and then we have an odd, but interesting, uh, shall we say, September. We have one more show in August. It's ECW Born to be Wired 1997. Sorry, just like, we're really going to watch this. Well, hell yeah, we are, man. Famous show. It's the one where they had the no-rope barbed wire match with uh, Terry Funk and Sabu. That's the main reason why we're watching it. It is not on the WWE Network, but we did find links to it on the uh, interwebs. So we will be watching it and reviewing that next And we week. will not be sharing because that's not kosher. Yeah, we're just, eh, we're going to keep it to ourselves. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to try to keep it on the other Maybe up we edit this out and don't tell anyone we illegally watched it. <laughs> hey, well, yeah, I didn't say anything about illegally watching it. I, you don't know what I paid for. It's true. Screw you. But then, uh, our September man, I've been looking forward to this for a while because it's weird. All in, uh, 2018. This was the precursor, kind of the audition for All Elite Wrestling. You said you've never seen it, right? Not that one. Okay, well, this All In was... I've seen them all except for this one. Well, this was not an AEW-branded show, because AEW wasn't a thing. This was kind of the audition. This was a show that was held when Cody and the Young Bucks made a a bet with Dave Meltzer that they couldn't sell out a 10... Uh, sell over 10,000 tickets to an independent show. ROH chipped in. Uh, a lot of other f- wrestling promotions chipped in. Uh, you'll see a lot of familiar faces from AEW, but a lot of ones that are from Impact, Ring of Honor, and elsewhere. Stephen Amell wrestles on this show. He takes on Christopher Daniels in a one-on-one match, so that's something. Hey, we saw him live. Yes, we did. Uh, now in the archives, by the way, SummerSlam 2015. But a lot, uh, a lot to talk about on that show. That's September 2nd. September 9th, we're doing something that our show is actually named after. The Saturday Night's Main Event. We're going to cover Saturday Night's Main Event 28. And the main event, or, well, the main event, Saturday Night's Main Event was never really, like, we talked about this. It was never, the, the show closer wasn't the main event, you know? Yeah. Uh, because the show closer on the show was the Bushwhackers versus the Fabulous Rue shows. And let's be honest, that's a main event anywhere in the country. Well, hell yeah. Uh, but also on 
but the real two matches that anybody wants to know about on this one. As opposed to that fake one at the end. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. It's Macho King Randy Savage with Queen Sherry taking on Jimmy Superfly Snooka. And uh, it is Hulk Hogan versus Ted DiBiase with Zeus in his corner for the WWF Championship. I'm trying to remember. What year was this? This was... Uh, 89. Has 89. To be 89. Yep. Uh, is this the one... No, no, no. That's Mr. Perfect. Was, is this the one where they win the title and break it up with a hammer? That's Mr. Perfect. Uh, though, so never mind. No, so. Yeah. Uh, Ronnie Piper also took on Haku on this show. So there's that. But yeah. not that that was drawing the seat. You're, you know, drawing the, the fans or anything. Uh, talking about, man. The asses are in the seats for the Bushwhackers, dude. What are you talking about? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, on September 16th, we're going to, you know, you and I mentioned we're big fans of the show Dark Side of the Ring on Vice. Well, we're going to be covering something that's very topical to that that they covered this past season. We're going to cover UWF Blackjack Brawl 1990. This show. <laughs> yeah, that one's, uh, that one's going to be a interesting one for sure. Yeah, UWF was run by Herb Abrams, and this was, they had a show at the MGM Grand. I think they sold maybe 500 tickets, and I'm being generous, and that place holds over 10,000 people. So, yeah, they, let's just say they they busted in Vegas. More people went to the APW show in the Cow Palace than this. <laughs> just going to point that out. Uh, was that a thing? Yes, a couple times. Cody wow. headlined actually against Jeff Cobb. Did they sell a respectable amount of I, I don't know the amount, but like it was definitely more than 500 people there. Well, you can see pictures. That's so. good. But it's just like, wow, this is like a legit. Well, I'm I'm using that loosely, but like a legit show. <laughs> uh, hey, there were some big names on the on the card, man. I mean, this, we just got done talking. No, about I mean Mick Foley. So yeah, no, I mean I'm not like denying that. It's just like, yeah. wow, man, you this thing couldn't get more than 500 people. I know clearly this is in like the heyday of WWE. NWA just became WCW, so it's becoming a huge thing. So it's like, I get it. Oversaturation yeah. could be could be said, but still. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, I mean, it wasn't good. It was very embarrassing. It was a show. It was embarrassing for Herb Abrams and the UWF, and it seemed like every single... It looks like every single match on this card is for some random championship. We got a match for the America's Championship, Junior Heavyweight Championship, Sports Channel TV title, Southern States Championship, and Midget World Championship. So, you know, we have that to look forward to. Can we say the M word? <laughs> and then finally, closing out September tw- on the 23rd, we're going to cover Monday Night Raw is War from September 22nd, 1997. That is the famous one, I think also in MSG, where Stone Cold stuns Vince McMahon. Yes. And Stone Cold, er, and uh, Vince McMahon takes the worst stunner in history. The worst slash best. Yes, where he just like rolls onto his back and flops like a fish that just got electrocuted. Good crap, pal. But anyway, that is September. Uh, thank you for joining me today, Greg. Mm-hmm. And we will see you all next week with ECW's Born to be Wired from the land of extreme. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. 
That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.